Welcome everyone to another episode of Four Layer Takes. This episode, we'll just say is a double feature. We will be reviewing two movies. One, the first one, I Care A Lot on Netflix. And the second one, The United States versus Billie Holiday on Hulu. I'm your girl, Kim. It's me, me, me. It's your girl, Mel. It's your boy, Marcus, a.k.a. Joni Taylor. She is the head women's basketball coach at the University of Georgia. She won Coach of the Year for the SEC. So I just Very wanted to good. Congratulations. Happy Black History Month. Well, I guess this is, is it over. This it's is over. Women's History Month. Women's History. It's March. It's Black History Month every It's Black History 365. Black History 365. <laughs> right. I, I, I totally agree. I was just like, I was just so depressed because I was like, it's March again. And I'm just still where I was last March. So I was like, mm. hmm, okay. Right. <laughs> this is it. Black lady shrug, shrug emoji. Well, Can maybe. I um, share with you all that I, I feel a little sad that the world is opening back up? Why? You feel sad? <laughs> Are you kidding so me? This is an odd feeling, and I don't know why I'm being vulnerable and expressing this as we started the podcast. We didn't share this before we started. For safe space. Yeah, because see, this time last year when we announced we were going into lockdown, I felt such peace because everybody was going to be chill. Because no one could go anywhere. It was just going to be like calm. And now, and I feel like I learned a lot about myself the first six months, nine months. And I don't want to go back to what normal was before. Okay. So I think I'm feeling a little like, hmm. I mean, I want coronavirus to be gone, but. Yeah, no. I also don't no. want life how it was before. I, I definitely understand that sentiment. Like this time last year, like I was working two jobs and I, I was like not sleeping, constantly working. I could, but COVID happened and it, like forced me to slow down. I mean, it yeah. Me to down. So yeah, I was able to like slow down and recharge and kind of like gather my thoughts and collect myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The same, I mean, same as far as working nonstop, going crazy. I was traveling to Dallas every weekend moving my family, it was very stressful. So when COVID did happen, when I, and, and unlike you guys, I lost my my job. So I was forced to sit down. Like there is no, get, hey, guess what you're gonna do? You're gonna sit down and chill the fuck out and take naps. That was good, but I um, I miss my life. I miss how it was before. I don't, I don't miss the stress, but I do miss the stress. So I'm ready to to go back with my mask on. I'm done with this, I'm over it. I is I just want to continue to work from home. <laughs> like, yeah, if my job, I want to keep working from mm-hmm. home. If my job see, will allow me I to go keep, back to work. If my job will allow me to keep working from home, uh, y'all can open whatever the fuck y'all want to open up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as long as I get to keep my black ass in the house every day, and well, I can I just go out when I want to. That's fine. But that's the thing. I think it's the people, and I've never liked working from home. Like I only would work from home. Even when we all work together, it would be like every other Friday, you know, or every couple of Fridays to like wash clothes and because I travel so much and clean up the house. But I'm not I don't enjoy work from home. I enjoy getting dressed and putting on makeup and putting on my cute shoes and being like, good morning, guys. Good morning. How you doing? Good morning. Hi. Like, let's, let's talk. Let's go get our water at the water fountain. Like, I don't know. I miss it. I miss human people and then going home. I need, I need the, I need the balance. I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I could, I could do that on the evenings and the weekends. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, don't, see, I, don't I miss getting up at six o'clock to uh, catch the uh-huh. train to get to do that. But you look, I, so, you, I you don't look so miss, cute. I, I don't miss yeah. other people's energy like that. I like when people say good morning, able to, or, or whatever. 
I don't Good enjoy <laughs> having to manage other people's like, or not even manage. I don't enjoy having to tolerate or accept other people's energy. Okay. And at home, I can put so many boundaries around yeah. my energy and it decreases my stress level. Yeah, yeah. So did you not like when we all work together and then something like you would come over on our side of the building and we would literally talk for like an hour. So I would say it was a little different because I actually enjoy the people that I work with, even though mm-hmm. my job was like, look. Yeah, we might have to cut that. It was just different. My job was. <laughs> I don't care. Come on, we all work together. Yeah, I don't. People not gonna you know. Yeah, I like that. I just, but that, that's the part I like because I could like talk to you guys, and then we I walk up to the next cubicle and be like, "What did you guys watch last night?" And blah blah blah. And I would literally be in in uh, Mimi's cubicle for like three hours, right? <laughs> talking, but like that's the only good part about working there. The socialization, wow. the social. But that's only if you have that type of job with those type type of people. Right. And quite frankly, that that could be rare. <laughs> like, but we wouldn't have we wouldn't have met each other. Like, I, we wouldn't have had our Game of Thrones lunches. I, I know, but yeah. like, it, it, in my current job, and I'm cool with the people I work with. My current job is a small office anyway. But that just would not have been the case. Like, most of the people in my job work from home. It's a it's a big office, but it's literally like ten people. You know, this massive, and we were always like, why the fuck are we here? Like. You know what I'm saying? Most everybody works from home anyway. So I I definitely wouldn't miss it. But like, anyway. Can you, that's you definitely not where I work. Uh-huh. Can you work from home? Can you work that's from what home? I'm, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that this continues or at least they allow me to like work from home three or four days after the week. And yeah. because before it was, I would work from home every Friday. And then this happened. And then it was just like every day. And, and everybody was working from home and the work continued. And they were like, oh. <laughs> Oh, this can work. Uh, Still did well. Well, well, well. Let's save that money on square footage and utility bills and shit. So, Kim, can you work from home now? Can you just, but they let you work from home? You, you can, you proven you can do it. You've done it. It's more, it's more complicated. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's all I'm and I feel like Emmy and Mark. Well, Emmy and Marcus have careers that a lot of times require, my career requires me to be with people and to be in places and to, to produce things. So I don't think, unless I change my career completely, I th- I'll always have to go back, you know, with people. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I understand what you mean. I totally get what you're saying. Cause yeah, it, I needed the break too. Cause I was at a breaking point, but after I got, got my rest and stuff, I'm just like, I miss it. I miss, I miss travel. I miss, I just miss everything. I miss my life. I mean, I miss traveling, but I don't miss a lot of invitations. I don't miss <laughs> Well, okay, no. I want the invitation, but the pressure to have to accept <laughs> all invitations. <laughs> oh my goodness. I feel like you want to like go and buy a farm like in the country and then just like be on your farm and just come into the city to have like a, a girls weekend. And you're like, I'm going back to my farm now. Bye guys. <laughs> Funny you say this. I didn't know there was such a thing called van life. And I have spent all uh, last week, which is probably why I have nothing co- to contribute about this, um, <laughs> watching Black solo, Black women solo travelers who are full-time living in, a, like, a van. Okay. Okay. It's called Van Life, and I right. have been watching, like, obsessively. <laughs> I don't know about this. I don't know about this thing. It is a thing. I didn't know either until last week. The algorithm told me that I would like it. 
<laughs> it was right. Trust the algorithm, guys. Thanks for letting me vent. I don't know Thanks how for I got so vulnerable this, but... with us. It's so great. We, uh, we create a safe space, even though I did laugh at you, but I, it was only in love. I don't <laughs> okay. But I'm, I'm a terrible person. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> no, you're not. So we, um, some of us watched I Care um, a lot, and then other others of us watched The United States versus Billy Holiday. So we're going to kick off with I Care a lot uh, that was on Netflix. Um, that was some just I said some good old white folks shenanigans. Um, I I thoroughly enjoyed it because it was like a thrill ride, and I wanted a thrill ride. I was like, okay, what are we, what are we doing, guys? Let's do this. Uh, the uh, Rosamund Pike is the main character named Marla Grayson. You have Peter Dinklage, our uh, and most of us know him as Tyrion Lannister. Um, and he plays Roman, uh, Diane Weist, who plays Jennifer um, Peterson, who is Roman's mom. And then a lady, they just call her Fran. They don't give her a last name, uh, but her name is Eliza Gomez. Um, so those are kind of our main characters throughout this show. And the one of the first quotes about in this movie is the main character, um, uh, Marla, saying, playing fair is a joke invented by rich people to keep us poor. So. Right. Why, you know, why play fair? Don't ever play fair. Fair is just going to make make you seem like a dope, an idiot. You're going to just be taken. And are you, you know, a lion? Are you a cub? Are you a lion? Are you a winner or a loser, basically? So that real Trump, you know, mentality that United States, <laughs> the good old USA, right. let's, you know, hurt them all, do what we have to do. Um, but I felt what she said, because we, as we see what's happening right now, um, I'm, I happen to be in, in Dallas uh, with my family. And a couple of weeks ago, there was a huge, you know, winter storm that came through. And I didn't realize I didn't know that a lot of the electrical uh, components in the state are not federally regulated. They're they're like privately owned. So a lot of people didn't have power. Uh, my family didn't have power. A lot of people died. Um, all over the state uh, here and in Oklahoma and, and some surrounding states. So it was, it was a pretty bad situation. But you see how greed and the American way hurts people quite often. So that's, right. that's really a terrible, a terrible thing. Um, so who, so wait, Mimi, you watched it and I watched it. And then Marcus watched the first 20 minutes and he was ready to beat up Blake. <laughs> I don't mean, I, I mean, I don't condone like assaulting women or women, but like she really just pissed me off. She was, she was a monster too. Right. So, okay, so we're gonna get into it. So we intro with this lady named Marla Grayson. She's um, at uh, in court, and there's a man uh, who's trying to fight for his mom's custody. He, uh, the mom has been put into a care facility, and Marla has been made his uh, legal guardian. Um, and he's like, "My mom was fine. I was taking care of her. You know, this woman took her. Now you gave her legal custody of my mother. This is terrible." So basically, what she is is a con artist. She's like a grifter. So think of Donald Trump, but she's more successful. And then she does it to the medical field. So what she does is basically work with a doctor and a care, uh, uh, like an old folks home or care facility. And they figure out a way to make an older person uh, seem like they are, has dementia. They can't take care of themselves. They're a threat to themselves. And then they get them put into her care as legal guardians because she cares so much about them. And the judge signs off and then they put her, put them into a home while they're in this care facility or this um, old folks home they she basically sells their house sells their belongings takes all their money she probably is taking their social security checks you know the retirement checks all mm -hmm. these things and so this is the game that she's playing um so now you see that 
this is a setup and a way for her to make herself wealthy and her friends wealthy. And you see the system that's built around basically criminal behavior. But it seems like it's normal and legal, right? Which is, I feel like that is, that this is America. Like we need, I think we need to get Childish Gambino to make a rap about this. I feel like, I feel like this is a real thing. And a couple of minutes ago, we were like, did we think this is a real thing? Y'all, I think this may be a real thing because it seemed like the show had it kind of figured out. I, I, I mean, I think it's plausible, but like we were saying before the podcast, I think you have to have a lot of things aligned for it to work out this way for you to build this like entire enterprise off of it. You may be able to scam a couple of people like that, but to have this enterprise going like she had, uh-huh. you had to have the doctor in the pocket. Then you had to have the uh, facility leader leadership in your pocket. Uh-huh. Then you had to have. Um, a judge who was dumb enough to you either had to have a judge in the pocket or in this yeah. case a judge dumb enough and gullible enough to fall for it every time and then my yeah. question would be like you wouldn't it, it, would you get that same judge every single time also mm-hmm. I would think that that would be a question and that's so, why I thought the judge yeah, was just, on it at first but I was like maybe he's not he yeah. seemed just dumb he's he just seemed like an idiot yeah and yeah. I hate and I hated to see um again I do I forget this man's real name I just call him she <laughs> and I hated to see she be so dumb but like <laughs> I hated to see that so we're gonna find this man's real name because we can give him give him his props for being right. the shit guy the right. she guy <laughs> so um so the guy is really upset you know they leave out of the court and he basically assaults her in the in the parking lot like dude you took my mom you know she was right she was okay you're a fucking loser you're a bitch he's calling her all these names he's like I'll, I'll be getting murdered and I was like oh gosh that's, that's crazy but I would feel the same way if somebody took my mom like I would go yeah, yeah, I would yeah. do the same thing and you know with us with having a grandmother who is has dementia you know the stuff you have to go through just to get legal guardianship make sure they're taken care of make sure that their money is taken care of like it's a lot because the government really wants to take your family honestly and put them in a home because then all the money is funneled back into the government into social security and i'm we living this right now so i do know it's very really stressful right so um so we see that it's all this you know stuff is set up we know that it's a game already we know it's a con so uh, marla um basically she was like okay one of her old folks dies and the guy at the old folks home is like he died you know we have an open opening now what do you want to do about it you know i'll hold the spot for two thousand dollars a week and i was like dang that's a lot of cash like i'll you can stay in my house if you want like i don't know what you want to do. <laughs> i live in atlanta i want to stay in my house so um her doc so she was like oh don't worry i'll find a new person so she calls the doctor that she's already on her payroll she says i got this lady her name is jennifer jennifer peterson she didn't have any kids she you know kind of gets forgetful she's a really good person they for called her a cherry which i didn't know what yeah, a cherry, cherry meant at first but as the story went on i i figured out kind of like she's, unattached and like she's no like perfect family, for the picking. Yeah, yeah, and no family, and mm-hmm. so or they thought. <laughs> so they thought that she yeah. was. Um, and I always remember her from Parenthood, the movies, like that. She just is that person. Or Lost Boys. She's always the mom. Oh so I was yeah. Like, oh my god, Lost Boys mom. I love her. She <laughs> so, wasn't on um, Lost Boys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know, they basically go. They go to this woman's house. They get her. Uh, the judge. The judge grants marla the rights over her and they were like she don't have any kids you know she's retired blah 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 she has good you know credit all this stuff so let's go get her so they get they get the woman they put they they marla's straight up walks up to this woman's door knocks on the door and was like hi my name is marla i'm your legal guardian now this bitch was like 
excuse? <laughs> Wait, what? What's happening? Right. Knock, knock. Who, you know, lady, who got this lady was in there making hot tea in her beautiful house with Fabergé eggs? Yeah. Like, who got all these Fabergé eggs? Fabergé's cost a lot of money. I was like, you need to walk away. That's me, y'all. <laughs> the house was gorgeous. I was like, this had to be shot in Atlanta. Like, that looked like that looked like an East Atlanta um, house. It was gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. Her next door name was Gucci Man. Yeah, Gucci. <laughs> she was living Gucci. I was like, she was doing great for herself. So she basically just walks in. She takes this woman's property. She puts her in a car. She's like, pack your little bag, old lady, because your ass about to get shipped out to the old folks. Home. And they literally take this woman. She's so confused. And they take her to the care facility and she's just gone. I mean, so, first of all, I, I just want to say... Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, I don't know how I don't know how y'all's people would do it, but mm-hmm. my people would have been like, "Well, y'all just gonna take me to jail today." I'm not getting in this fucking car with none of y'all. Just, I don't want to got a knife. You're taking me. To, you're just taking me to jail today because I don't know who you are. You're just gonna roll up and say, "Oh, I'm your guardian." Get the yes. fuck out of here. We all going. We all going to the old folks' home together as a team. Yes. I'm gonna shoot. I'm gonna stab you or shoot you or something. We all going together as a team. As well. Yes. You ain't gonna yes. be taking me out my out my nice white lady house and my Fabergés in there. <laughs> like this, all they should have tried to make some tea, guy. Come on, right? Uh, so then, her friend is her like her girlfriend. We find out her sidekick, and they basically come in. They sell this woman has a beautiful, um, classic Mercedes. Like you can tell, she is a woman with money. And I'm like, bitch, did you not put two and two together? She she retired from the damn post office or something, or from some financial institution. You think this lady got this much money? And she like, like I said, all this stuff, she just starts selling off. They sell her home, everything, put her in the old folks home. Come to find out, they take, and when they put them in the old people's home or the the care facility, they take their cell phones. So they isolate them. So it's not like she could have even called her son or called anybody because they took her phone. They're like, oh ma'am, you're just confused. And you're an old lady. This made her feel terrible. And like, she didn't have any power. And I'm like, this lady looked like she killed people. I'm like, I'm sorry. Uh, Lost boys. (laughs) Did y'all, Lost Boy's mom look like she murdered people on a regular basis? Because she looked too nice. I don't trust it. I'll never trust it. Don't trust it. All right. So they uh, come to find out she does have a son and his name is Roman. Roman is played by Peter Jinklage, like our favorite Lannister, you know, from Game of Thrones. <laughs> Until right. season five. Until season five. But his haircut was really hot. I was like, you looking really good. Uh, he had that flip going. He had the flip going to the side. I was like, oh, okay. It was chopped up nice. I was like, okay, I like this. I like this. Okay, I just look no, I'm treating you good. <laughs> You're doing good. The cold is treating your body, your bones well. <laughs> so, um, come to find out, she does have a son. His name, this guy named Roman, and uh, we said it's Peter Dinklage's character. And we find out that he's some kind of gangster. He's into human traffic. We know that from one scene, he's into human trafficking because he's talking about some girls uh, were coming over and they, some of them have died. We just don't know exactly what extent he is a gangster or a bat or a gang or something like that. You know, he's they, into something bad. They mentioned mules, so I'm assuming drugs. Drugs. Yeah, okay. That's, I thought it was like drugs and probably like maybe they're like taking sex trafficking women and stuff like that, which was not good. So, right. but I like, I like the fact they never told us exactly what he was about, but we know they're like, they have a Russian last name. We find it out just, later in the movie. It just made you hate both of them as the movie went on. I was just like, can the earth open and just swallow both of these motherfuckers? I hate both of them. Can they kill was, each other? There was legitimately no good person in this whole fucking movie. That's why I liked it. I was like, I don't like none of these people. So I really don't have anything invested. I'm sorry, Fran. You're cute, but I actually might have to go to buy my babes. <laughs> um, and then I forgot to mention, she also, Marla, when she's trying to get into Fran's house and get all her stuff, she finds a safe deposit 
uh, key under, it was like, it was taped under a drawer. And I'm like, man, you are, you have really good snooping skills. Cause I wouldn't even think to look under a drawer for a key, but now I will, if I snoop anywhere, I'm just like, okay, there might be a safe deposit key. So she takes that key and she goes to the safe deposit box in the bank. And then she finds that there are other things in the safe deposit box, but there are these loose diamonds. Um, they seem to be unmarked loose diamonds. So if you know now diamonds are um, in the inside, have a code in most, in almost all diamonds, there's a code so they can be tracked. So these seem like they were untrackable diamonds. So who knows where they came from? Probably straight from the continent. I don't even know. And it would be, it would have been at that point that I would have been like, oh, I maybe have fucked up with this person. Maybe ding, ding, ding. I should like let this, this woman go, but uh, no, not this one. I would have took them diamonds and ran away. I would have been in, in Cuba somewhere. I'd have been like, Fidel, hey, guy, hey, can you help me? Because I got these diamonds and I will give them to you if you let me stay for free. I would have 86 every, I'm like, friend, get your passport, boo-boo, get your, get your uh, bonnet. We about to roll out. Be gone. Ghost. So she was greedy. And that's, that is what, that's what America is. Like, you know, it's about being, being greedy when you could have just left this lady alone. Um, so uh, Peter Dinklage finds out that his mom has gone missing, that this lady has taken her. He's like, I want my mama back. But because he um, he is also in, you know, we know he's a gangster. Uh, they do a little bit more digging because they're and they find out that um, Jennifer is not her real name. They find out that it's the name of a child that had died many years ago. They're like, who the hell is this woman? Then um, we find out that Roman and his mom had to basically disappear themselves. So they killed themselves to like to disappear so they can get away from whatever gangster life they were both living or, or he was living. So they are not even real people. They don't even exist really in the real world under uh, right um under their right uh, identities right so we find out like she was like well i'm not giving your mama back bitch you need to go on about your life she mine i want all these diamonds i want all this stuff i'm taking everything because i'm greedy so he was like all right then i got you i got you so they try to steal the mom back and his thugs like they fail and um they shoot up the old folks home then he was like okay Y'all got to play hardball with your dumb ass. So then he kills the doctor that had been writing all writing her up, murders her. Then he was like, she he was like, get my mama back. She still don't want to get his man, his mama back. All he wanted, listen, just like Daenerys Targaryen wanted the throne. All he wanted was his mama. Like if you were just giving people what they want, then, then you wouldn't have been going through all this. You wouldn't have got burnt is what I'm trying to say. The dragons wouldn't have burnt <laughs> what I'm trying to say. Guys, that's what I'm trying to tell you. So... She still doesn't want to give him uh, the mom back. So he was like, okay, bet. He goes and um, attempted to murder Fran. Then he kidnaps her, Marla, and they basically roll her car into a body of water, like a lake, and they think that both of them are dead. Like, okay, they dead. We got, now we got to go find my mom. Bet we gone. Come to find out, y'all, they were both alive. So and th- oh, I'm sorry. And this is when I was like, the fuck kind of Russian mafia is this? Y'all are over two on murdering people. Okay. <laughs> like you gotta see a body. You hey guys, I don't murder people, but I listen to a lot of murder podcasts. You gotta see the body, guys. Don't just be assuming that you murdered someone. Like you have to follow through and make sure that these things have happened because they're gonna come back and kill you and they'll they'll get you. So come to find out, Marla and Fran both alive. They get they planned. They're like we about to we about to fuck uh uh, uh, uh Tyrion up. So in those words, they said we got to fuck Tyrion up. <laughs> she, I knew she was texting. I know that's what she was saying when she was texting. She was like Tyrion, Tyrion, let us on you. I mean, we gonna go get it. <laughs> 
So there they go, y'all. They go get you. they go they go and devise this plan. And I'm like, how? Mimi, help me to understand how people come. Are they just? Or do you have to be like a seasoned criminal to come up with these game plans, like at the drop of a dime? Because it seems like they were just coming up with these murder plans. And really? See, that's well. That's one reason I was like, this movie is like. This movie should have ended after the first hour because it just got dumb after that. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I wish they had all the only background they gave us on Gone, uh, Gone Girl, what the, whatever her name is, Rosamund Pike. <laughs> yes, is uh, <laughs> is she that one little minute where they show her mom where Tyrion was like, um, you know, this is your mom. You care for she was like, I don't give a fuck about her. She's a sociopath. So like that's the only <laughs> snippet we get into who she was. Yeah. And other yeah. than that, I was like, why why am I to believe this bitch can come up with these elaborate ass murder schemes? Why am I mm-hmm. to believe this bitch is this brave? Mm-hmm. Why am I to believe she's this cold hearted and she's a sociopath herself? Like y'all didn't give me any information. There was no build up. Yeah, for why I should believe this. And that she's more efficient at killing and kidnapping people than the Russian fucking mafia. Like, come on, y'all. Really? Netflix, you need to call us because we we can write this better. Netflix. (laughs) FYI, guys, we'll get the we'll give we'll give Gone Girl a backstory. I forgot she was in Gone Girl. Yes. I got I have the biggest crush on this woman with that. I mean, the blunt haircut and everything. I was just like, I love her. I'm gonna marry her. She was a horrible person. She was a horrible like, person in wow. every movie she's been wow. in. <laughs> she plays crazy so well. Like, I'm like, is, are you really maybe a little bit crazy? I don't know. You, She just no. plays it so well. No, she like, is. You gotta be. It's too believable. It's too believable. <laughs> I have a crush. I, I, it's something wrong. Because I'm totally in love with this woman. I'm telling you this now. If she comes to Atlanta. I'm gonna, I'm gonna marry her. Um, <laughs> so then, uh, so we, so now they know. We know that they have failed to try to kill these two women. So they're like, okay, we bet we have to get y'all. We have to get Tyrion. So they come up with they little plan within like five hours of being almost murdered to death. Um, so they decide to kidnap him and shoot him up with some kind of drug and leave him on the side of the road and basically burn his car, make him a, make him a, a John Doe basically. And under the law, if there is a John Doe, someone has to be his legal guardian. So, so they had this fool on the side of the road, butt naked. Then he wake up in the hospital. Your girl sitting there with her, with her high heel, uh, Louboutins on like, guess what, bitch? I'm your legal guardian. I'm about to get you. And you still ain't gonna get your mama back. And I'm just like, <laughs> bitch, give him his mama back. You take the Oh, God has given you so many outs, lady. God has given you so many times to make this right. And you're just not gonna do it. So, I don't understand how that part was plausible though. Because I mean, I don't know. At least with the mom, she had like document, I mean, uh, doctors documented excuses. And then she, then she ended up with the video when mom started uh-huh. talking out. But yeah. like with him, like, yeah, he was a John Doe. And yes, he didn't have a, a I mean, he ID. changed his identity, but uh-huh. they seem to have had like paperwork for this identity. I would think that he had yeah. a lawyer or, I mean, a, a doctor or a, or something. I just, it was just weird to me that she was like, oh, I'm your guardian now. I'm guardian. That's I'm what? the guardian. <laughs> Bang, bang, shoot, shoot. Right. My, and I'm like, you. that man, uh, so Tyrion sent his personal lawyer to her office. Remember, he took her. I was like, so you could just pick up the phone and call your goons. I know we got all cell phones. Everybody has cell I don't know anybody's number but my own. But I mean, you can think of some numbers and put it together and call somebody at your office, at your goons' office. 
Like right. you're a, you're you're like get, get it together guy. So come to find out, she's like, I'm your legal guardian. I'm about to fuck you up. I'm about to keep these dimes. I'm about to take your mom. I'm about to I'm about to do great things, Tyrion. And he's like, wait, don't do it. What if we go into business together? So these two idiots <laughs> come up with, and this is now this is actually where they lost me with the variety because I was like. Uh, okay, he comes up. He's like, "Don't, don't, you know, don't give me all my diamonds and my mom back, but give me my mom back. Keep half the diamonds, and then me and you gonna go into business together. We gonna turn this up. We gonna have, we gonna have a whole industry. So they right. basically create Grayson uh, care guardians, and it's an industry where it's they have the lawyers on the take. They have the they own the care homes. They own all of the all of the care facilities. So they're basically just making money hand over fist because they're invoicing each other. And so if, if you paid any attention to how the New York district attorney and how the D.C. attorneys are going after the Trump family, what's happened is what they've done is his kids who work for his organizations are actually invoicing him as consultants. Mm hmm. So that's what they're going to do. Basically, double charge, triple charge people for their services. Right. So they they actually this it takes off. You know, Roman is in the background as the you know the silent partner. Marla is the the face of it. She got her hair slicked back. She still got that hot ass mouth though, and she's <laughs> just making money. And she's going like she's like a multimillionaire, and all the business is doing well. So she goes on this talk show, and she's just talking about you know she's the top one percent, but she's really you know just a regular person like me and you, like all the Republicans. You know, we're just regular mom and pop people and then um so you just see all the greed and everything just seeping from this woman she just can't get enough and they leave out of the interview and she walks outside in her gorgeous uh, white suit her girlfriend frames out there to pick her up in a ferrari and uh the guy from the first scene whose mom she had taken custody of uh he walks up and he's he's yelling at her like my mom died you know in the care home they wouldn't even let me see her and he pulls out a gun he shoots a girl in the right dead in the heart, like in her heart cavity. And then she is like her, her white suit turns to red and fade to black. So I was like, bye, Marla. Bye, gone girl. Now you really are gone. You're dead. Right. So it was a movie about, like you said, capitalism, greed, greed the American yeah. way basically and and hey you know had she not been all the way greedy she could have took them diamonds and been living living large she could live like gone, the other gone girl for real for real yeah, mm. yeah. i just you that know warms my heart man that warms my heart knowing she got killed yeah, um, yeah. she should she should have gotten, <laughs> gotten killed i was like it was just something it was something fun to watch it was a mess but it was just fun i was like well it's just fun to watch it was uh like i said a fast-paced movie um, I would recommend it if you don't have anything else to watch, like on a, a weeknight or something like that. It was not an A plus. I would give it a C. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause after like at first 34, I like I was intrigued by the first 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. But then after she this bitch comes up more hardcore and gangster and savvy than the Russian mafia with no explanation as to why. And the Russian mafia is just sloppy as fuck. They can't kill nobody in this movie. I'm just like, y'all the worst mafias. Right. Where is this movie? Where is this story going? So, yeah. So it was crazy, man. So that's that. That's all I got, guys. And um, we are now going to switch over to a much more serious movie um, that I did not watch, but everybody else did. And take it away. <laughs> First of all, I I thoroughly enjoyed just the review of I Care a Lot. 
Yeah, it seems like a movie I actually would have enjoyed watching. <laughs> it's, I say it's it's fun. It's a fun ride. You know what I'm saying? Like just throw caution to the wind. Now we know right. how, guys. You know. If you don't listen to a lot of murder, if, if on Monday mornings your your podcast don't automatically update with three serial killer podcasts um, and true crime, guys, you got to you got to start listening. It'll, it'll show you how to carry through. You got to see the bodies. Mm-hmm. Always see the bodies. <laughs> <laughs> They'll come back for you. <laughs> and I'm so scared. Y'all don't do that. I'm so scared. Y'all. I'm always scared. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Right. Yeah, you're always scared because you listen to the murder podcast. I need to get my life together, y'all. So, <laughs> it was fun. It was a fun ride. Yeah. Well, are we, we're going to now switch to some more black trauma. Y'all ready for black trauma? <laughs> yeah. No. No. <laughs> Well, here we go. Come along, Mel. Join the black trauma train. Right. (laughs) Which would be the United States versus Billie Holiday. So Mel, as she mentioned, she has not yet seen this um, trauma-filled movie. Mm -hmm. I have, and so I will be doing the moderating part. So y'all be with me. I'm not as good as Mel. But what I did do, I did take notes. (laughs) I did take notes on the movie. It's about a two hour or so movie. And I broke the movie up into five acts because I feel like that's. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. (laughs) So act one, I titled The Setup. Act two, The Arrest. Mm -hmm. Act three, The Reckoning. Act four is The Defining Moment. And Act 5 is The Demise. That is how I kind of... Which act do I get to see Travante Rose fucking in? That's the act I want to skip to. Oh, that, that would be... <laughs> that would come in The Reckoning. The Reckoning. Okay, okay. Yes. That's, that's aptly titled. That's aptly titled. <laughs> it's called The what? The Fuckening? What is the, it called? The, rec- the Reckoning. Maybe that's oh, what reckoning. we should have called it. The Fuckening. Um, the fuckery that happens. In the record, in the reckoning. (laughs) So the movie starts out with like um, a title card that says in 1937, the United States Senate had an anti-lynching bill um, up for them to vote on. But of course, they didn't pass it. And then it goes into in the background behind the title card you see like some white men in black and white standing over like a burned out black body Mm. that's kind of the imagery that you see in the background and then you see a title card that says that um, Billie Holiday rose to fame because of her song Strange Fruit which is about the state of America and lynching and so it says that this happens in 1937. Again, that's on the title card. And the next scene is Billy is being interviewed by his name is Reginald Lord Divine. I know him as the man from Designing Women, and he just used to crack me up. And it's 1957. They don't tell you that it's 1957. I had to do some deductive reasoning that it was 1957. And it's Billie Holiday 
um, Miss Lawrence, who I don't know. Later, I found out Miss Lawrence's name is Miss Freddie. I think. Yes, yes. From Real Housewives mm-hmm. of Atlanta. From yes, from Real Housewives of Atlanta, and he is in Star. So you know how Lee Daniels, once he finds his cast of people, he recasts them in his projects. So he's done my hair this, twice. I just want to say, I'm kind of celebrity. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you for sharing, Mel. <laughs> <laughs> So the guy of uh, Reginald is interviewing Billy, and to me, she was clearly high during this interview, but maybe she wasn't. I think she was. And he says to her, like, what is it like being a color woman? And they're both like, wait, what? Would you ask Doris Day, what is it like being a white woman? And he's like, I wouldn't have to. I mean, I don't, I don't need to ask her that. Mm-hmm. and then he asks her about Strange Fruit and why she continues to sing it and why she's a troublemaker so I that's that say, part I, of the scene I don't like, I, I don't like uh, biopics that have this kind of we're going to do an interview and then flat, I, don't, I don't like that. that's my personal taste. I was like okay here we go <laughs> you so. know and I thought about that because you know I had to um, go to Wikipedia to find some answers and apparently like she had done an interview um and that's how her uh autobiography had gotten written so i felt like he put it in here as a way to say that what is happening in the interview in this scene actually happened yeah i I, I just leslie jordan i struggle to take him seriously he's just he's like (laughs) He's just funny without even trying to be funny. Like, I don't take him seriously. Right. Yeah, he is funny. That's why I, every time I see him, I think of comedy. And even as he's interviewing her and asking her these uh, clearly racist questions, I just was like, uh, you don't mean nothing by it. Okay. <laughs> Who knows? So after the that clip of the interview, they take us back. 10 years to 1947, um, 10 years prior to the interview. And the scene is being narrated um, with Billy, and she looks fairly healthy, but still is probably high. And um, she's performing at a club. The Cafe Society. The ca- oh, what what is it called? The Cafe Society. Yeah, no, it was a popular club back in the, like the thirties and forties. But um, you know, it, it, I mean, it was it, it, it was in Manhattan, but it, it, I'm no, it's not there. It's been gone for over half a decade or half a million. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, again, she's she's performing at Cafe Society, and in walks this soldier, and we don't know who the soldier is. We assume. At the time that that's all he is, is that he's a soldier. His name is Jimmy Fletcher. And um, her husband is there, her husband Monroe. And she has a manager who they call Crook. And I guess it's her best friend slash assistant, Roslyn, who I love her so much. She is so good in everything that um, she's in. What is her name, though? Her name is Divine Joy. She is so good and everything that um, she's in. So she plays Rosalind, and then we have Miss Freddie, who is Miss Lawrence. Uh, 
So we just see her singing and then backstage, um, Monroe, like, you know, how you have people come backstage to greet you. So we find out she's from Baltimore and some fans from Baltimore show up and Jimmy is standing at the door, the guy who's dressed like the soldier and they, uh, her husband was like, nah, nigga, nah. And he like kicks him out or closes the door in his face. Mm-hmm. And so all you see is like this, you know, backstage conversation. Then we switch because now we're learning more about Jimmy to Jimmy goes um, to his mom's house for Sunday dinner and he's late and his mom is complaining about he's late and that he's no good and he's bringing shame to his daddy's name and why is he walking around in his uniform on and um it appears that he comes from some kind of money because they had a maid and um you know then his mom is like i don't know why are you going to listen to all that jazz is whack music whatever whatever but i do love that billy holiday he was like he went to go see billy then his mom was like well i like her but all that other stuff is trash <laughs> so we kind of get some background on him all right. Then uh, let, let me jump in. Here. I know we introduced everybody in Billy's clique. We we talked about Freddie and everybody else. The one person that I'm so glad that they highlighted this was Lester Young, aka Prince, their, her saxophonist. Right. Uh-huh. Lester Young is one of the greatest forgotten, unknown saxophone players in the history of jazz music. Well, in probably America, just music in general. Like this man, he like he, he inspired people like Charlie Parker or John Coltrane, um, Stan Getz. Uh, I mean, even like Miles, Miles Davis, he was, he inspired Miles Davis, like Lester Young, AKA Prez, like, I appreciate them, like showing him and having him in this movie. I know his family so was like, that you. wasn't his demeanor. Uh, they were like that, the way he was portrayed in this wasn't really his demeanor. They yeah. They nah. were like that, but. <laughs> I know, yeah, okay, so let's talk about that because see, mm-hmm. later in the movie, you know, um, we find out that he has a wife. We'll get to it. I, the way I perceive press from this scene was there wasn't no wife. <laughs> I mean, they're musicians. That's, that's exactly, exactly. You know? <laughs> when I say wife, and I mean, he just seemed like they, he was, to me, portraying him as he was gay. But I don't know. Oh. I don't know anything about Lester. No, I didn't get that. Like that was my take on just how he was portraying him. So when you said the the family didn't like it, what didn't they like about it? They just didn't like his demeanor. They didn't. They didn't feel like that was his how he came across. I mean, how he came across on film was not how he was in real life. He came across kind of. I don't know. Um, maybe cold or maybe. Um, no. angry or I don't know. That's- no, no. I, but I would. You felt like I, I felt like child. I mean, everybody hates Chris. What's his name again? Tyler. Tyler Williams. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the in the video recorders I've seen Leslie Young, like at least on stage, like him and Miles Davis kind of have like the same stage persona. Like they're kind of like, I guess standoffish, kind of mean, kind of mad, kind of angry. Mm. But I don't know. I just know. I read the article where the, the family was like they didn't particularly like that. Yeah. I don't. I know nothing of, of, about this man, <laughs> but that's what oh, they okay. said. So I don't know. I I didn't think he was angry. I didn't see him as angry until the end of the movie. 
this how I saw him. I, I, never, I, saw I never saw him as angry in the movie. I never saw him as angry in the movie for a second. Only I mean, he was pretty angry when his ass was getting paid. Yeah, that was <laughs> anger at the end of the movie. I mean, like, that's what was anger. But the only eight time yeah. I saw him like anger was with uh, Travante Rose snake ass. Hey. Slick is <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, um, he was so shady. So, um, but thank you for talking about him. He will come up later at the end, towards the end of the movie. You also so, get right here you get the first introduction that about Anslinger being hanging around. Yes, in the face. That is the next thing, right? Mm-hmm. We see Anslinger in the paper, and that he's in, he's investigating. Um, narcotics and he is asking them or saying that they need to shut down this singer because they need to shut down her singing Strange Fruit Um, and they've asked her manager to shut it down because they feel like it's inciting it could incite black people to riot or actually you know fight for their rights and uh, the FBI did not want that um, but in the meeting, it was a room of all white men at the meeting, of course. And they're like, we've got to figure out a way to take her down. And so they figure that drugs is the way to take her down um, and to also to get her to stop singing. Right. So Man, then I, we get cut to her I, using well, drugs. I, I just want to highlight the, the, the terrorist, the murderer, the, just the person that J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI was. Like, that sh- it is, it, it needs to be put forward. This man's name should not be on any fucking building. He should be not be, he should be washed away from history. I think in this movie, and I don't know that it, it did a great job at this, but it, this is supposed to kind of highlight that this, this was kind of like the protocol that they started working off of to fuck over tons of black entertainers. Because this was like starting in like the 30s and 40s. And you know, J. Edgar Hoover was like running over black people all the way into the 60s and 70s. So this this is an early start. Um, so yeah, anyway. Yeah, I would say this movie in a way is a commentary on the war on drugs, I say quote, end quote. Um, and which is called for another way to get black, another way to take black people down. Because um, even the drugs that are that are classified to get the most sentencings, to get the harshest treatment would be drugs that are that would have mostly been used by I would say no yeah like crack low cocaine, income black people crack cocaine carries a higher sentencing than regular cocaine from which it comes from so we get um, Billy doing drugs before. She does a performance with Louis Armstrong. And uh, I was going to say that was with her homeboy, Joe, who I kind of assume is supposed to play, be the role of Richard Pryor throughout this movie. But I, I haven't seen Lady Scenes the Blues in a minute. But that's, if I'm remembering correctly, that's who I thought he was supposed to be. Kind of kind of Richard Pryor's character. Joe, but well, go ahead. Oh, well, yeah, I haven't seen Lady Scenes the Blues in a while because this is another one of them sad trauma movies. And I, just, I, st- I still have like, from that, from my childhood. It's like you can only see it once, and it's heavy. That's it. So after the performance, again we're backstage and or somewhere, and Miss Freddie brings back Fletcher, 
No, and, he's just watching um, himself and Freddie sitting there. Well, yeah, but he says that y'all, you know, meet each other and or he what he said was this is that boy to be writing songs. Right. So some kind well, of way, writer. I don't know if he write write songs, but I think he was writing to her. Oh, he was writing to her. See, I missed that part. I thought when he said, Oh, this is the one that be writing, you know, I assume he meant like writing songs. And they just back so, there flirting with each other, basically. Yeah, back there flirting with each other. And um they discuss um they discuss strange fruit while they're back there. And I think is it at that point that he that she asked what his favorite song is? Yeah. Yeah. And she says, he says, it's all of me. Mm-hmm. So then it kind of becomes like their song. Oh, what a cute way to meet each other. Next thing we know, we in church and it is some wailing going on. Now this thing right here was so funny. I said, what? We, at first I thought, you know, you're sad because you're thinking it's a funeral because they, they're in their black and they're just wailing. It was a funeral for her dog. <laughs> It was a funeral. (laughs) In a church for this woman's dog, Chiquita. And Fletcher walks in and he's like, I'm so sorry for your loss, you know, when my dad died. And they were like, oh, yeah, her dog. And she was like, Chiquita sat on my lap every day and was just crying and was like, and then Rosalind, who I just think is so good, was like, you can't let Chiquita eat off your plate. That's how she choked. And they just started wailing. So it was a cute little way to end to me Act 1. At least we ended Act 1 on like a funny note. And I just chalked up to this Billie Holiday. She was a a quirky person. She had her quirks. Or at least this version of her. Well, yeah, this version, version of her. Of her. <laughs> Yes, this version of her, she had her quirks. So um, the next act I begins, and I call that act the arrest. Because what we soon find out is that um, Jimmy is a fed. <laughs> but before we find out that Jimmy is a fled, faking to be a soldier, we're back at the interview with Reginald and he's asking her about Tallulah Bankhead. And Tallulah Bankhead is a white woman who I really don't know the role that Tallulah played in her life. They were trying to insinuate later that they had an intimate relationship. That, yeah. I mean, that was a rumor, but she's from a prominent, wealthy Southern family, actually. She has an interesting background. Um, She has a lot of ties to, like, Southern politicians and stuff, so... But she's played by your girl Natasha Leon, I think. She mm-hmm. is Natasha Leon, a lesbian in real life, because she seems to play a lot of LGBTQ roles. Um, I don't know. She I don't know. She's so, you know, New York and so like classic New York. I think she can be whatever she wants to be. I feel like every, yeah. I feel like I've never seen her play a straight woman. I've only I'm seen her she in her younger roles. A male, um, a male partner. Okay, in real life. Yeah, um, I think she's too cool. Fred too cool to oh, from SNL. I thought. Okay, mm-hmm. that's her partner. Like she's like Ellen Page. Like I've never seen Ellen Page play a strip person. 
Elliot, well, now it's Elliot Page. It's not. Uh, yeah, yeah. I apologize, Elliot. Yeah, right. I, I just feel like Natasha Leon is such a cool person, like gender and stuff. That does, she doesn't. She does, she's too cool to, to be about all that. She's so yeah. And and this is when I get back to like I don't like biopics that start with a this is an interview because they go back to an interview he brings up to Lula Bankhead Freddie gets mad about it yada 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 and when he brings it up in an interview I'm like well hey y'all now we're gonna see learn about Tallulah Bankhead <laughs> but we don't really learn about her at all I mean I know but I'm just saying we're about to have this scene with her and that's that hotel scene where you know the the elevator operator shuts Billy down, even though he's a black um, operator and knows who she is, is like, you can't get on his elevator, you know. So I'm not going to lose my good job. So, so anyway. of course, then Tallulah is like, well, I'll go to a, I'll go back there with you. And so I was like, is Tallulah supposed to be like the ally? I don't know what's happening here with Tallulah Bankhead, but. It's supposed to be her lover. Well, one of them. I mean, but they never really show it. They don't so show it, it but it's insinuated. insinuated. Well, it was insinuated yeah. in real life, so yeah. We don't. Well, know. I like Tallulah. <laughs> I do like Tallulah's name. I just think it's you know I don't know why. Maybe because I'm southern. Um. <laughs> so <laughs> then, like to Mimi's point, like they the the elevator scene happens, and um, we cut then to her in Philly. And she's doing a performance and she starts to sing Strange Fruit and she gets carried off of the stage by a uh, press. And I don't know the other person who well, like carries off the stage. lined up in the back of the, of the audience. And it, it reminded me of um, NWA Detroit's performance when they were told not to mm-hmm. grab, fuck the police. Yeah. And they did anyway and they had to run up out of there. It was like exactly the same thing almost. It was set up like that. So she's performing. She has her gown on and a flower in the hair. And it seems real classy. And in the back, right, all the cops are lined up. And the FBI agent is there also. The white FBI agent was there. Um, she starts to sing it. And then her friends, her band members, whisk her away and put her in the car and drop her off. And so next thing we see is she's at Joel's place. And Mimi's already said that she thinks Joe is supposed to be like the Richard Pryor character. I assume I have to go back and watch Lady Seems the Blues and see if his name was actually Joe. I don't know. Um, oh. She was high as fuck in this scene, hollering about ice cream. <laughs> she was so high in her um, undergarments, talking about Joe, go get me some ice cream. And Joe's like, go get yourself some ice cream. But they both was high. Um, and as soon as she opens the door, there is Jimmy, who is now revealed to be a federal agent. And that you always can't trust a face and a smile. Say what? Which always proves you can't trust a cute face and a smile. Oh, we already know. BBD told us that, man. Come on. (laughs) This is a big butt and a smile. (laughs) This is canon at this point. What I didn't, what I am realizing, and I never thought of this before, that there were black FBI agents who were active participants in taking other black people down. I, you know, yeah, we just went in the black Yes, but Judas, but he wasn't an FBI agent; he was an informant. I didn't know I mean, that. There, I just didn't know this yeah. that there was an actual like FBI agents core of black. Agents like that is just something I just didn't. 
I, maybe I, mean, I just never even thought about. We need to verify that. <laughs> and Lee Daniels' portrayal, there is a whole office of black people agents designed to take, I don't know how accurate that is. In real life, it might've been like three of them. But in this movie, it was like 20 of them. So I don't know. <laughs> but we'll, we'll have to there was a room. There was a room of agents. Right. <laughs> so. I did like that uh, um, when he came in, he was like, we'll send in the, we'll send the female police woman to, to strip search. And she was like, nah, nah, this is what you want. She just starts ripping off her clothes. And she was mad at him. Uh, she was like, you you tricked me. I almost kissed your ugly ass. I was like, no, 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 that's a lie. <laughs> no, but um, <laughs> this, did happen. <laughs> this did happen in real life. Um, this actually happened, uh, well, most of it. But in real life, apparently, after she took off all her clothes, she peed on the floor. So mm-hmm. I was like, man, she was gangster anyway. <laughs> I wonder if she on purpose. Yes, like on purpose. So, well, you don't know when people hide. I mean, a lady no, literally she, she, licked she my car because she was tired. You just don't know. She did it purposely. It's like a fuck you to them. So after she's arrested, um, we show her pulling up to the courthouse, and as she's getting out, walking up the court steps, a black male reporter is asking her really is a respectability politics conversation. Why can't you be like Ella Fitzgerald? Why can't you be like these other ones? Why you gotta keep stirring up trouble? And I'm like, um, mm-hmm. all this lady is trying to do is sing a song. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Like what kind of trouble is she doing? And she's taking drugs, but she's not endangering anybody else. Right. So she gets in the courthouse. She gets sentenced to a year and a day for Oh, and she thought she was possession. just going to be sent, sentenced to like a hospital to get help. And then when they said, yeah, well, in this scene, when they sentenced her to prison, she's like, you know, y'all set me up, which clearly someone did. <laughs> yeah. So then she realizes that she has been set up by everybody, really. The manager, the husband, uh, Fletcher. She, at they that just, point, she never does make realize. All this stuff clear. Again, it's again a lot of it is insane. Except with Le- uh, Levy or Levy or however you pronounce it. I mean, we'll get to him. It was mm-hmm. it was obvious he tried to set up because he tried to plant something on her. But like, you just see them talking to feds like whispers, and they say stuff like, and she's like, "Why are you talking to the feds?" She was like, "I mean, they're they're always like we're trying to protect you and just trying to talk to the feds and see where their heads at and where they're coming in." And so. Um, you know, they never show. They never show where they, there's this actual. It's insinuated. So I, I guess they set it up. You know, I was reading the what's fact or fiction, and even in the what's fact or fiction of this story, they were kind of like, we don't really know. <laughs> I mean, maybe it was set up. We just we really don't know. But uh, if, I, if I if I continue to see you talk to the police, I'm gonna assume you're working with the police. I mean, I would, but she kept going back to all of these guys so yeah she did <laughs> she kept going back to him i don't know i mean i mean what's the i mean what's the female version of a womanizer a man eater yeah yeah i don't think that's who she was i don't i don't think that's who she was i just think she had a trauma filled background and, definitely definitely um I, and when you're on drugs and uh, like how she was using drugs, you 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 just develop unhealthy relationships. Yep. And at some point, you just you get used to toxicity. Right. 
that that was that's what I think. But I agree. I agree. The, I don't know again, fact or fiction, we don't know, but the FBI said they, they had the husband on the tape. So the FBI said that, which could be true, false, we don't know, that um, they were pretty much paying the husband or doing something to for him to assist them. Um, then, then this is, I think Jimmy goes in and gets a standing ovation to the, the, the black federal layer. Yeah. That's what happened. <laughs> of the, of the New York office. They got a whole layer underground, <laughs> just black ages. Um, but I was going to say this, this when Evan Ross shows up and I was like, oh, that's a nice little time to his mom. Um, but then I was like, why is the dude always playing somebody annoying in every movie? He's right. Every, he is so annoying. Bro, like we hate this dude. Every, like, damn. I said, I am so sick. I said, why is Evan Ross in this movie? And nah, I hate the use him. of him using a uh, nigga in the movie. Like, I hate him saying it just because I see who <laughs> he is in real life. And so when he says it, I'm like, I think you need to be banned from using this <laughs> word. In, never see him like, in real life. Any movie. I just, I just know he was annoying the ATL, and he was annoying in this. <laughs> I'm just like, I mean, if you see him married to Ashley Simpson, and in in real life, and you see them with a little happy, oh, you for real? Yes, yeah, he's married to Ashley Simpson. I knew that, but I just don't pay attention to him. I like, I, I not that I'm paying attention, but if you see that, and all I see is that version of him that I see, and then because you know they had that reality show on E. Mm-hmm. Um, like Evan loves Ashley or whatever, however that went, and then, um, and then him in ATL. I'm just like, I don't ever in my life want to hear you say nigga again. Like I just don't mm-hmm. want you to say this word. Like, <laughs> and why are you so annoying? <laughs> right. <laughs> but good tip of the hat to uh, Evan being in this movie since Diana played Billy and Lady Sings the Blues. Good tip of the head, but they could have used him in another way, maybe. I don't know. Anyway. He actually looked uh, more like the real Jimmy Fletcher than um Chavante Rowe. Then he does. Yeah. Which yeah, I agree. At the end when they showed the picture of the real Jimmy Fletcher, I was like, well he was kind of cute now. Maybe Billy couldn't, couldn't but we don't know <laughs> okay. that that romance ever was real either, so but he was cute, so he was he was cute. Y'all yeah. forgive anything because he's cute, huh? None. Don't act oh, like I y'all heard you. right? <laughs> don't 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 act. Y'all like do that a uh, plenty. Everybody does that. <laughs> <laughs> don't let Meg come walking by. She make a cameo appearance in the movie. Woo wee! Right, hot, real hot girl shit. <laughs> <laughs> So after he's congratulated at work, uh, Jimmy, he then goes to his mom's house and gets interrogated by her. Like, why are you an agent? Why are you a snitch? Why? You know the feds just using you. Right. Like, <laughs> why couldn't you just be in the mortuary, bitches? But as you see, we're making money. People always got to die. Like, why are you choosing this when you could choose this honor, this other living? Why are you choosing to take black people down? He just saying what drugs is doing to the black community, but he's so misguided. Again, again, your mom is right. They just using you to 
take down black yes. cars. Like you, you know. he just sounded like he was in a sunken place. <laughs> um, I'm just realizing there are a lot of us that are just in the sunken place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and um, happening under J. Edgar, Edgar Hoover that would do this. Yeah. Black, black, uh, mm-hmm. black yeah. civil rights artists and artists. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if it's in. I don't know where it is because I didn't write it down in the notes, but they go through the list of people that they're actually following. Like they, they name a few names. Of and I know that they were people that uh, actually listening to several jazz musicians because there's a scene where he's listening to some tapes, some wiretaps or something, I assume. I, and I know from a different documentary they were after Louis Armstrong because he smoked a lot of weed. Like I'm just, they enjoy weed. So anyway, the war on drugs was always just a war on black. Like you going after Louis Armstrong of all people for some weed? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, which they don't really say, but they kind of allude to in this is that I think they were targeting jazz artists because jazz is an art form that was created by black people. It's improvisational. It has nothing. I mean, jazz was the hip hop of that time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Jazz was the hip hop of that of that time. It's just seemed rebellious and wild and radical. So at that time it was like, oh, these wild and nowadays we're like, jazz, like that's what you play on the elevator. Like what you talking about? <laughs> so anyway. Um Right. So it it was kind of a um like they didn't really talk much about it, but I kinda wish they kind of would have put in a little more about like why jazz was seen as um, rebellious, but that wasn't the word that I was trying to use, but why it was seen as that at the time, that it was racialized. Like now, all you really know are white white people love jazz now, but mm-hmm. you, well, wouldn't have, you wouldn't know now the history and the roots of jazz. No, I mean, I, I think it goes back to a discussion we had on a previous podcast. It's, it's more about music and how music is like a... Um, it's like an equal, not equalizing, it's a uniting force. Like people unite. Right. And, and that's what jazz was. That's what jazz was. That's what that's rock what and music, roll was. Exactly. That's what music oh. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what music I feel is. like any time you get white, if older white people see younger white people clatching on to another, another culture's something, that's when it's really a problem. Like, oh, wait a minute. Our, our kid is listening to this music. I mean, it's like, it's hairspray. Like, of course, and even, and, and even Ann Slinger's wife uh, enjoyed Billie Holiday. Like she even yes. like, in one of the concerts, she was like, "Oh, she's so lovely. I really like this." And he was like, "Oh," and rolled his eyes. It's just like, <laughs> "Not today, Satan!" <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Not in my house. As for me, in my house. Right. <laughs> uh, so it, you know, after uh, we see uh, Jimmy and his mom having a conversation, we kind of get like this montage. Uh, or like clips of Billy in prison um, and what it was like for her. But eventually by the, by the end of her year and the day, it seems like she's formed some friendships. But at the beginning, you know, they're like, you know, we don't care who you are, Miss Billy Holiday. And then we get kind of images of Jimmy reflecting on what he's done. Because how it's portrayed in this is that they actually start catching feelings for each other. Mm. The um the break your fall playing in the background during that montage that was I thought that was beautiful like it made I had to go listen to it when the movie ended 
Oh, was that the song he was listening to when he was laying up on the sofa with his shirt off and I oiled up with his arm? <laughs> oh, my that was that song. I remember that song. Yeah, with his bonnet on. <laughs> yeah, that's well, you know, they all kind of just you look at them old films. That was how they was keeping up them fresh waves. Okay, pre pre uh do rag day. <laughs> so come on. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that is so funny. So I guess in uh, I don't know if it was part of Jimmy's regret or Jimmy is still on duty. He um, has a meal with uh, Miss Freddie and Miss Freddie discusses Billy's past with him to be like, you know, you all see her this way, but she's really had to overcome a lot of trauma from rape to I don't know all the things that he was mentioning to Jimmy. And it seemed like by the end of it, Jimmy was feeling a lot more remorseful. So then he entered into uh, the room with all the other white agents and he's looking for Aslinger. And <laughs> Wait, at this point, but yes, keep well, I've been calling him Aslinger this whole time. Yeah, it's Ann. Right. Ann. But I've been calling him Ann. Ann Slinger. We'll call him Ann Slinger from now on. <laughs> that's what I was calling him. Ass Slinger. Um, is that that's his name, but that's where I'm going with it. Um, and when he meets with Asslinger, he's like, Okay, well, now I want you, you know, Billy is it's hard for her to resist men. So if you go visit her in jail, just get her back on your side. And he does. So then Jimmy goes to jail and he visits Billy. And they're flirting through the glass partition. And I'm just like, oh, Billy. Well, he's flirting with her more. He was like, oh, you're so beautiful. And she was like, don't try to flirt with me. <laughs> but but I think even how she said it was like flirty. Well, when they get, when, I know when they got to the train station when she was when she had gotten out and they saw him there and she waved at him. Freddie and Ross and all of them were like, "Oh Lord, here she go. right, here she go, here she go." So that is the end of Act Two, and then I think this starts now Act Three, which is Mimi's favorite act in the movie, which is the same, the reckoning. <laughs> I think this is Mimi's favorite uh, part coming up which I actually put in my note I bet this is Mimi's favorite part (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so the next part the next kind of act starts with her getting out of jail and she's at the train station and her friends and family and all them are there at the train station to meet her and they're like hey we got you a new manager this is this is Ed and she's like okay Ed um, and out of the corner of her eye across she sees Jimmy and you know they flirt with their eyes and then off we go to the next scene how are you practicing and doing jazzercise she mm-hmm. was uh, singing and rehearsing for her show lifting weights doing arm raises and talking about I gotta get out of my way so I can squat to the dog the other uh, press was in there doing jumping jacks I was like well at least she said we gonna get our calisthenics and while we practice um and so then we see her um after they're practicing and rehearsing we see her now she is praying at church and it keeps going from like color to black and white and so i couldn't tell if like 
it was going from color to black and white because she was like high and not high. I couldn't, I don't know why I kept. There is no reason. Why I kept doing that. And I was like, I don't understand this trickery. Like, what does this mean? Mm. Um, Between her praying at church and then preparing for the show. And what they don't tell her then, but she finds out later, um, because her manager tells her backstage that her cabaret card has been revoked. So this is also something, I don't know, this is a true thing, but I didn't know that you had to have a license to be a singer in a club. I I didn't know that's a thing. In New York, or in certain parts because that's why she was able to perform somewhere because they didn't need it. She explained it in one of those scenes where uh, that's why she wasn't able to perform back home, but she was traveling other places where she didn't need it. But I wanted to go back real quick. The the song she performed at Carnegie Hall was Ain't Nobody's Business. And I was like, this is the most domestic violence promoting song I ever heard in my life. (laughs) Like the verses was like, ain't nothing wrong if Big Papa slap me ain't no ain't nobody's business i was like it was like two lines that had something to do with him hitting her and it ain't nobody's business i was like damn the the 30s was rough the 40s whatever this was it was this part this jim crow era Mm. fly nowadays Mm. oh but i mean but she was domestically abused in all of her relationships except for the one portrayed by Jimmy, who was essentially a snitch. So it was like, you know, so I, I guess that is also considered abuse. So what she says later is that she's just used to the toxic relationships. Like, <laughs> All right. Would, would, you, would, you rather, would you rather him kick you or send you to jail for one year and a day? <laughs> I would rather neither of those. I would rather be with Tulula Banks. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, rather, I'm with me. I would rather be. Uh huh. Can I kick back? Yeah, I mean, you, you can. can. Exactly. You might you not win, win, but uh, you can. We can. As long as we fight, then I'd rather do that. <laughs> mm. Well, uh, I'm gonna. I'm with Mimi. I'd rather be with Tulula. She rich. And we good. We not having these problems. We taking long walks in the park. We ain't doing all that. I choose to move. If those are my options. So, oh, and I when she said when she, no, I'm going back when she said bull dagger, I had to go look that up. I I you ain't that much. You ain't that much younger than us. For real, you ain't that much in your life. Right. you're like, hey, you're gonna get canceled. You can't use that. Right now, now, don't use it. I, I would recommend you not tweet that out. Let's soon <laughs> in your life. <laughs> but that yeah. was something that was used back in the day. <laughs> not for, not that far back in the day, and, and not that far because I I mean I yeah. remember hearing it as a child. I haven't heard uh-huh. it in a while, but I, I heard it I heard it, it not too long ago by somebody that me and Marcus know. Oh, oh wow, okay, I know, I know. <laughs> I was like, they, they sold what? Right, I was they, like, what? They had to be somebody born before 1965. Whoever y'all talk about, <laughs> whatever it is, I don't know who it is, but they was born before 1965. You can't yeah. tell me no different. Yeah, I was like, we don't, we can't say that. Stop that. <laughs> Yikes. Anyway, uh, yeah. So what then happens is, um, as she is singing or whatever, she notices that they're fed in the front row. And her new manager, I guess they get rid of Ed, 
And then here comes um, John Levy, which I, the actor who plays him, his name is Tone Bell. I only know him in comedic roles. So to see him in um, a drama like this, he was actually really good. I believed him as this John Levy, this shifty, sleazy character. I believed him. Um, yeah, so this is when she gets out and she was like, I'm not supposed to be performing because I don't have a cabaret card. And then that's when uh, Perez points to him and was like, he's handling it, but you need to go take care of that. And he take kind of takes off. In the, you know, she's trying to uh, figure out the details of what this relationship is. And, uh, you know, he was, she, he was, she was like, am I going to go to jail for this? He's like, no, I'm going to pay off the right people. And um, he says something like, uh, something like teaming up. And then he kind of like touches her and he she was like well i'll let you know when we gonna team up that way and like throws his hand off of her but mm-hmm. as she's singing a the song they kind of like again do this cut to them fucking in the back and i was like well i guess she decided to team up because it was the same night <laughs> right so and then they know. kept teaming up they kept on teaming up um <laughs> it appears um so to me after Mimi's like what she just described so there's these cuts of them her performing and then them fucking the performing and fucking like he's going back and forth in the, the same but, night that she the met same him. night <laughs> so yeah so there you go so then we see uh, Jimmy and Sam in the office and Sam is now undercover so Sam is Evan Ross's character so Sam is saying that he's now covering as a musician and and then he also says that they're having this conversation about like, do you actually feel bad about what we're doing? Um, and I'm like, I don't oh, really duh. get to no conclusion. <laughs> he was like, I'm like, taking. I kind of yeah. feel bad. Evan was like, I'm taking down people. You know, I respect it. Well, quit your damn job, Diana Rossan. What the fuck are you doing? Why we gotta keep doing this? What, what are you doing? You don't have to keep doing this, you know. <laughs> Get on my nerves. Annoying. Like other jobs, guy. There are right. other jobs you can do. Right. Well, I guess they love their jobs because they stay. And uh, Sam ends up getting a promotion, which happens later. So he he didn't he didn't hate it too much. So now Rosalind and Billy, they at a restaurant and John Le- Levy is there and then Louis McKay enters in. At this point, I don't exactly know why he was there. I don't know if it was like another, like, let me introduce you to this person, but Louis McKay Le- ended up Levy, showing up. Did Levy or whatever, I don't think he introduced him to McKay. Was McKay just there? No, so they, it was, so Rosalind and Billy were at the restaurant just waiting on their right. table and they were having a conversation again they're talking about getting paid and she was like I'm waiting on him he hadn't brought me my money so then he, Levy comes and brings him the money which of course is short it ain't all the money because of course he's still right money. right but McKay and, comes downstairs after yeah he that. comes so downstairs like, after. is he just in the restaurant he just happened to be maybe. in the restaurant uh, maybe because he had maybe he just happened to be there I, I, it was not like an introduction it wasn't like Levy introduced them, but he just, I don't know if he just so happened to come. But anyway, Billy said bros before hoes, and she chose um, to have her dinner with uh, Lewis and left Lil Roslyn sitting there like, damn, I gotta eat. Who she just in, left her. 
who inexplicably was speaking fluent Italian in his restaurant and didn't that was shit cracked so me up. Funny. She was just speaking <laughs> fluent Italian to the waiters and everything. They never explained why. And she was like, I, I'm not gonna embarrass myself. I was trying to say some shit. But whatever she was saying, it, it was just like flawless. And I was like, nobody's gonna explain why this black lady with this uh, eye patch like Blonde a pirate and this in the 1930s knows fluent <laughs> this restaurant. Mm-hmm. But maybe it was just there for com- co- comedic relief. Because it was she provided just a lot of comedic relief and I really enjoyed this Ross character. She provided all the comedy. Um, so she again leaves her friends, you know, bros before hoes and leaves her sitting there hungry. And then we see another one of Billy's hoes. I shouldn't call her that because we don't know if she was hoes. They just had an intimate relationship. Um, Aslinger was interviewing Tallulah Bankhead because they're trying to get everybody on the tape. Anybody that's close to her, they're trying to get them on the tape so they can set Billy up. And that's when they say, oh, we hear that you all had an intimate relationship. Uh, what, he didn't say intimate. I say intimate, but that you all had some relationship. Well, he asked, yeah. She, he said something like, we hear Billy's intimate with her lady friend. Yeah, sexual relationship, yeah. Yeah, did you, yeah. are y'all having it? She never really answered on, no. in this scene or whatever. And then we get to the she next scene. That look. Just, yeah. Then we get to the we next scene, it's her and, it. well, no, nah, and the next scene oh, is wait, her, no, and, her and next. Billy at the park, yeah, with the, um, with the dog at the park. And uh, yes. they run into, and she mentions about the dresses up, but that's when they run into McKay again randomly mm-hmm. and and he's with a white woman as well and I, I just wanted to say he goes up to he goes up to Billy and says so let's dish these snow bunnies and get into some black shit right that is what he said <laughs> that, shit, that shit was so uncalled for just blatant and blunt like damn <laughs> By in front of them, and and the lady that was with him looked like this dizzy snowflake. Well, apparently they ditched him because we don't see Tallulah again. She is no longer in this movie. That was her last scene, and we don't see the other one again either. So, I, I guess that's what happens because that was that. <laughs> then we see Joe and Billy together again, and Joe uh, Billy. It's still getting high, and I don't know what I wrote right here, but Joe was doing something. No, Joe was saying not to get high. Didn't want to get up. high anymore? And and then this was this. I think this was this rain scene that kept flashing them again. There were again like Malcolm and Marie. It's just inexplicable. Why? It's just random black and they kept cutting the black and white. And if if black and white was supposed to present her being high. Sure, but it wasn't used consistently because there were times when they flashed the black and white. Right. It had nothing to do with her being high, and had it had nothing to do with it. There was just no consistency with that. So I don't know. It would flash the black and white just because it was raining, and rain scenes should always be in black and white, as we know. <laughs> so shit. that's what I was like. Why? What is this black and white? And why does it keep doing this? And it mm-hmm. was the it was not it was not consistent, which is why I don't know why it was. Um. So then, you know, Billy decides that she gonna get high. Fuck Joe. Joe can stay clean. I'm gonna get high because I got a show. So they are in the back stage, and it's Roslyn and um, Billy, and 
here comes Lee because he realized, okay, she done, she didn't, she took my money. Or because what happens is, I, I guess I skipped the scene, is that um, Billy takes Levy's money that she's owed because he shorted her. So he shorted her money. So she goes back to get the money and then he confronts her about it. But his confrontation is by slapping her. And kicks, which her, then in they ribs. And kicks her in the ribs. And they which proceed to get in a fight. She Apparently. kicked him back. She hit him back. Yeah. But little Roslyn, who I like, she just was sitting there. And I was like, Roslyn, you can take this dude. Why are you letting this dude beat your homegirl in front of you? She's like, you look, I only him. got one good eye already. Okay. <laughs> well, the so, other one, she had enough. The two of them could have taken him. Yeah. Which is my note. I'm like, why? Why are you gonna let your? Why are you gonna watch your friend do this? And I mean, they watched her do a lot of things. Her, her inner circle, yeah. and they enabled it, or they didn't say anything, or they participated. But she just sat there and watched it, and I was like, oh no. Yeah, it's upset me and my homegirl. I mean, yeah. but that's you hear that story a lot with famous people because the people in their circles don't want to get left behind, so they don't say nothing. Like they want to continue to stay on that train. <laughs> so whatever keeps you happy, I ain't gonna say shit. I'm not gonna upset you. So, and she really didn't. And so then they didn't say nothing. But so then then we see them preparing her for her performance, wrapping up her ribs because he done kicked her in the ribs and that's actually true that's what I was um, trying to say is that she would wrap her she would often I guess with this particular relationship um, wrap her ribs after he had like beaten her or whatever and again they take liberties with these stories so I don't know that it was definitely Levy who was beating and kicking her but at least one of her men at some point was and she would have to wrap her ribs so right Anyway, Whew. so then, you know, anytime we get a performance, we on to the next act. <laughs> so that's the end of, uh, oh, well, maybe that's not act three. Maybe Mimi's favorite is act four, which is the defining moment. So now it seems like Billy goes to Hollywood and um, Levy and um, Billy are in a hotel room in Hollywood and they're discussing their relationship and he's trying to be like why don't you want to marry me and she's like you still married and also I don't want to be married and so he's trying to make it seem like he is invested into in their relationship and next thing you know they get getting up and he keeps looking toward the door he goes in to hug her and then plants drugs on her and then the feds walk in. He plants some opium on her and the feds walk in and arrest her. And it's Jimmy again. <laughs> yes. And now we got Captain Jimmy who is there and we flip to court and they're in court and Jimmy's on the stand and he's testifying and he admits that it was a frame that, that she was set up, and he because he rather he doesn't or he stutters it out. Yeah, so she can, she He's, can't get convicted on that because he right. Yeah, so and so she doesn't get convicted, and they leave um, the court, and, and she is approaching that moist <laughs> because he protected her now. I'm just saying, as many times as he 
like betrayed her and was not to be trusted. All it took was that one time when he got her off for her to be like, ooh, this the one right yeah, that's here. A, that's a double, double entendre. It's, it's this is all it takes. That's a double entendre. He got her off twice. Hey, no, he got okay, off. Marcus, I like that. I like we that. only saw the get off twice. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we only see it two times. And so, um, that's when she is standing outside and the reporters are like, well, what are you going to do next? And she's like, hey, I'm going on tour. Like, okay, that's I guess that's what we doing. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy comes down to <laughs> and singer like, oh, you choked on the stand. Hey, you going on tour too. You got to follow them. <laughs> so You got to follow them. So yeah. why he say that? Because now Jimmy living the life. He following, he's following Billy and her orchestra on this tour. And... Um, she is performing they backstage or wherever they were um straight chilling and this is where i say they turned they turned jimmy they get jimmy to take him a good shot of heroin um and how they had it set up was like everybody was hot rosalind left rosalind said look i done seen enough i'm not getting high with y'all but everybody else in the band straight up high and I don't know who this white man was. Oh. Because they never say who he is who inserts the needle into Jimmy's arm. I was going to say, they mentioned again in the scene about Billy not paying them. So, uh, apparently that's an ongoing issue (laughs) throughout this movie. Yes. We we don't really, I don't know. Anyway. So, Billy didn't Mm. pay them, but she had enough to pay the drug man, the candy man that she called she had enough to pay the candy man for the drugs. And then so Rosalind was like, you think I'm going to stay? You had enough to pay him, but you can't pay us. So Rosalind's out, but everybody high. So I guess at this point, they forgetting that she not paying them because <laughs> they high. I don't know. They forgetting that they ain't getting no paycheck. Um, so while <clears throat> Jimmy is high, he has like a hallucination or whatever where he is walking through Billy's childhood and we see her as a little girl in Baltimore in the whorehouse and um, her mom she finds her mom and her mom is like I'm giving you away you need to go stay with Miss Gertrude because you are you a woman now you can take care of yourself it's time for you to now start hoeing and she looked like she might have been somewhere between the ages of like six, seven, six or nine somewhere Mm. I know she got raped at that. 10, so I don't know if um, that's when it was. But she did get raped at 10. But uh, I, I don't know. So it didn't make sense to me as to why he was having a hallucination <laughs> about her childhood while he was high. I no, I think she that. she was telling him while he was high, she was telling him about oh. her, all that stuff. And so that's when he started kind of visualizing all that. I just want to say that Lee Daniels loves to (laughs) just what's the word? Just have people say stuff. He loves black woman trauma. He loves trauma. He loves having them having people say stuff that's just grating and just on your ears and I'm just like I'm sure I know from historically her mom had her in these houses and probably had her hoeing but I just don't Again, obviously I went there. I just don't see her mama saying, yeah, you got to go out here and caress these niggas and, and make them feel good, like explicitly just one day out of the blue. So, but but that's Lee Daniels' style. So that's what you got. 
I guess she said there's no need to cut corners. Let's just say what it is. I don't know. It's like this movie already no two hours long. You go. Just tell movie was just long. Tell her, just tell her this, straight up. <laughs> this movie was longer than it needed to be, I felt, but okay. So after the hallucination, they're on the tour bus, because men remember they on tour. So, you know, you stop the bus and she's like, I gotta pee. So she gets out to pee. While she's peeing, she hears cries. And so she walks toward the cries. I don't think that that's, she, that's, that wasn't real, though. Yeah, I thought that was a hallucination. hallucination. That, that was, was another hallucination, too? Yeah, that was another hallucination. But this was her hallucination? I think it was just, I think it was a combination of... An amalgamation of everything that happened or whatever? Yeah, and her telling him the stuff that she's seen, the pain that she's feeling, and him being high, and he's just alone for the ride. Because that, you know... I think she may or may not have seen a lynching in her life, but that was a, an hallucination because when she goes back into that house, house. or whatever, mm-hmm. there was a drug dealer there. The uh, the rest of the crew was yeah. there. And then she walks through a door and she walks onto the stage and, present, and performs Strange Fruit, which is the first time in the movie we actually hear Strange Fruit. And this is like an hour into the movie <laughs> and I was like we are hours so into the movie and we just now hearing Strange Fruit in this, yeah, this entire we, we almost near the end we had uh, probably like an hour and a half in the movie so. we just <laughs> you, you, okay that does make sense that was a hallucination because I was like if this, and, and if that is a trip I don't want to be on this trip the trip that he was on was like one I don't never want to do drugs again if this is what I'm going to be tripping on I'm going to be seeing out anyway that was not. But I will say that dress was beautiful. Yeah, it was a very interesting no, I thought, design. I mean, it, like the fray at the bottom, the coloring, just it was beautiful. It was it was a noticeable dress, put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think all her gowns are beautiful in the um, in the movie. And I also want to say Andrew did a really good job. You know, I mean, she was doing. She was doing good or fine throughout, but it was like that hallucination or whatever scene where she was a. Uh, I thought she really kind of dug into her acting training that she had just received. This being her first film, <laughs> and you know she got the she got the Golden Globe. So yeah, I mean, like she did a really good job. Like to 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 not smoking, not doing drugs. Like she really act, did well. Like I think she she said she didn't she's I think she might be like celibate. She might yeah, be celibate. she's been celibate for seven years. So she doesn't drink, she doesn't smoke, she's yeah. been celibate. And she doesn't curse. Y'all, I couldn't, That's another thing. She don't curse. I sure couldn't tell that she was celibate from this thing. I, I, know, okay, I wouldn't have been after that. That hard to be confused for a second. So wait, she doesn't do drugs, she doesn't have sex, she doesn't drink in real life. In real life. Why? Why? I mean, not about the drugs. <laughs> you should do drugs. <laughs> Nobody do drugs. Drugs are bad, guys. But it's like, that seems like ex- ex- a lot. She just didn't. She just didn't want to. I know that after this um, role, in every interview I've seen, she's been, she's been cussing a lot. And somebody asked her something. Um, and she was like, y'all, I don't know who the fuck I am anymore. <laughs> she just started, <laughs> I know. I'm like, I feel I bad. Sh- I hope she doesn't do a that, Ledger. I know. And Joker, because I'm like. I was like, y'all, have y'all checked on Angela? <laughs> because this girl yeah. 
became my Billy for for at least a year. And she was like, yeah, I don't know who the fuck I am anymore. So my friend said that she started smoking uh, cigarettes. Yeah. And, and drinking. she basically started drinking and starved. She said she had to get so skinny. She was like, the diet work, I just had to start myself so I can look like the role. Right. I was like, oh my God, can you get an Oscar? Because you need to get one if this is, a, is does this qualify? I don't know. I know. Oscar because this is, that's really wild. Yeah. And she's not, she's not, Thin like Diana Ross when Diana Ross played Lady Sing- Sings the Blues like Diana, she is a waif waif looking lady she's oh. very thin very yeah. you know um, but I'm just like Audra's not that naturally she's not she ain't even in the movie well yeah yeah, yeah she's that's starving herself to death she's sm- chain smoking cigarettes having sex with everybody going <laughs> right listen I was gonna say after this uh, sex scene with Javante I know I wouldn't be celibate no more. Matter of fact, I'd have been like, like we need to. I think we need to rehearse. Just, I just want to make sure historically, like, because I don't know if they fucked like that in the in the thirties. So we just need to, you know, just for accuracy. Which what's the minute? Well, what's the minute? At this point, what's the minute? For us? I can just go and I'll get in. Just fast forward. Oh, I don't I'm know. Gonna, I'm gonna let Mimi take over. I'm gonna let Mimi take oh, over. No, no, that, that part right here. No, that's all. I, that's all I got to say is that because uh, that's what happens after this performance is that they're they're at the motel and Jimmy is talking to ass swinger in the payphone and then he comes in and take over Mimi because that's what I put. <laughs> Insert Mimi. <laughs> no, I just, uh, I mean, I said what I was going to say pretty much. Uh, I thought that Andrew, again, this being her first role, this is one of my, and I'm just, I mean, yes, I enjoy a good love making scene between good looking black people. Uh, yes, I do like that scene, this scene. But I also enjoyed this scene because I thought Andrew was like just killing it. Because like he came in, again, this is this chick's first role. He comes in, she's like just naked on the bed, scratching her head, like, yeah, she called you, you know what I'm saying? Just like called your boy, like, it was just, I don't know. It was just- Real, raw. Real, raw, exactly. Raw was just real good acting. <laughs> and the emotion of like, when he didn't want to just go right into uh, fucking, he wanted something more intimate and, and closer. And she, it, was, it was like, she didn't even know what that was. She was like, what? Like, what? What, what, what the fuck you doing? Ooh. What? So, yeah. Man, yeah, the portrayal of that was good. Like her yeah. confronting him about why he was doing what he was doing to her, and her acting, her portraying, knowing how to fuck but not knowing how to make love, not knowing mm-hmm. how to have that, right, was like a, a good scene. And then after that, we then go on the tour, back on tour. And now it's like they're showing these clips and the montage of them being like they're a real couple. Right. <laughs> but clearly they weren't. Right. But because when they get to the next bus stop uh, and the bus breaks down, that she has her bags packed uh, and she is like, we are now going to have this defining the relationship conversation to let you know you need you a good church woman. And I am not that. I am used to men beating me. And I am used to men treating me right. poorly, and that is where I am going. And I'm gonna leave you and the rest of my orchestra here out in the sticks, and y'all figure out how y'all get home. And they, her band is like, we don't have no money, cause here I come Louis McKay. Louis talking about you called me, and now I'm here. Come on, Billy, let's get in the car. We're gonna take you to get on the plane. We're gonna get on, take you on out of here. And she's like, all right, Freddie and Ross, y'all come on, y'all come on with everybody. Me. 
and left everybody out in the woods and like love. And they were like, you ain't paid us, huh? Like love, wasn't no magic. I still didn't hear Mel. What you say, Mel? I said like Lovecraft Country. That could have been the Sundown Town. Don't oh, I, like I, exactly, exactly. I mean, just was bounce on everybody him? and and you know, kissing McKay. I, I was just like, where the fuck did this dude come from? Like, it just, I don't know. We're friends. She like, found the phone. <laughs> she found the phone to call this man to tell him to come and get her, but didn't find the phone to call to come get the bus fees. Maybe she didn't have no money because she didn't pay them. So maybe she ain't had no money to get the bus fix. She didn't have no money to pay him. That's why I'm like, I this, this movie here, like in later scenes, the blues, you really, really feel sorry for her. I mean, okay, I feel sorry for her, but at the same time, she was an asshole so, lots of times in this movie. And yeah, I mean, she was an asshole because she had a rough background, but I feel like in later scenes, the blues, I never felt like Diana Ross was an asshole. She just she was a more a tragic figure. Yeah, yeah, she was just really damaged. Right. But, yeah, she was right. She in Lady Things of Blue, she felt more vulnerable. Right. Like you like she needed to be taken care of. This portrayal is not I didn't feel like that. <laughs> no. And this portrayal may have been I'm not saying it. I'm I'm definitely not saying this is better than Lady Things of Blues. Let me put that on record. <laughs> but I'm saying that there may be some more truth to this one because I would assume that anybody who had the background that Billie Holiday had is bound to be an asshole at some point or another to the people around her. You just can't have that background and not be a jerk. So I'm glad that you kind of got jerked, Billie Holiday. (laughs) You know. Well, she was a jerk. And once she got with uh, Lewis... Now we on to the demise because we we don't we we falling down now. Yeah. So because Jimmy goes back to the office after they finally get that bus working and he get back the way he's supposed to be, and he realizes that he has been demoted and that Sam Evan Ross is now uh, promoted and he is just uh, in dismay. He done lost his woman. He done lost his job. So he's sitting up this sitting here with his white t shirt on, watching TV, and here she go. The the guy, I forget, I guess it was some late late show. It was just really weird. He in his interview, he was like, Well, Billy, you don't have anybody at all. I was like, What depressing ass late night? I ain't never heard Jay Leno had give an interview like this. Like, you just ain't got nobody. And he was and she was like, Well, I got my husband, McKay. And I was like, that was such a weird way to let the audience know that she married this guy. Like, okay, I don't yes. know. That was the worst marriage announcement. Okay, it really was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we married now. Right. And I don't have nobody else but this dude. My band dog. I on for an interview. Slip my wrist after this interview. <laughs> well, Mimi, you just ain't got nobody, you shit. Why the fuck are you on here tonight? It's like, well, I don't know. Let me go jump off this roof then, shit. That's what you want. Thanks, Twitter. Uh, <laughs> so, she leaves this after the TV show. We back on tour now, because that's what she does. She was the she was the most touring woman that didn't have no money. Um, but I assume these men was taking it, or you know, and she was also giving it away to the candy man. But she was the most touring as somebody who didn't have any money. And while she was out on tour, uh, she gets arrested again for 
drugs. Um, <laughs> and it is just like, it oh, like Billy. It sounds like the T.I. and Tiny story of the... <laughs> <laughs> you got more drugs? Let's get you right. You got more drugs? Like, they're looking at you. You're a drug addict and they know you have drugs. Stop falling into the trap. All right, and but this was a tour. Well, they show, and I don't know where she got arrested. This was like here. an international yeah. tour. But she may have been back in America. They I, at this I, point, I, yeah. yeah. is like Anslinger talking to her husband about, uh, well, we didn't have enough drugs to keep y'all, yada yada yada, and trying to get him to plant, trying to get him to plant drugs on her again, and planting seeds in his head, like, um, something like. Shit, like trying to emasculate him. Yeah, he, we we hear she wears the pants and all that, and so yeah. I, yeah. In this film, he kind of gets gets to McKay eventually, but that's like he does. Yeah, it's 1954 at this point, and um, she is in Chicago performing, and um, she got her Jermaine Jackson hairstyle slip back. That, I mean, whatever that black stuff is, that, that shit looks that. terrible. That beige, what is it? What was that? <laughs> that wasn't even. They look like glue. I don't know I what like, she was. Who, who doing this? This hair dye for you? And then, well, they just, when they finally go backstage, I'm like, oh, you're doing it yourself, and you're high. So now it makes sense <laughs> that, you, yes. that you look like the <laughs> Jermaine Jackson. Now it makes sense. I mean, I was like, maybe Jermaine Jackson got it from Jack from Billy. I don't know, but she had that Jermaine Jackson hair, black hair stuff on, mm-hmm. and she's tied backstage after this performance, and Jimmy is there, Jimmy comes in, they kiss, and then here comes Lou, uh, Louis sees them, and they get in a little fight. And then you see then that she has a black eye, so I don't know, because when she was on stage, I couldn't see that she had a black eye. I, I didn't see it until afterwards. I know that she had it on stage. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So her and her and Louis just be fighting, right? And then we see Anslinger trying to get Louis to get on the take, and you know she just she just can't win with these Negroes, <laughs> right? <laughs> I did that that backstage scene where they where Jimmy came in and they started making out and then um, McKay comes in and they just start fighting. I was just cracking up because you see them fighting and in the background she just sitting at yeah. the makeup table with her hand her head and her hand just looking at it's like this bitch here. She just it's just a whole mood. She a whole mood. I will say what her vibe was and her mood, that is not what I wanted for my life. I want that mood, I want that vibe at all. Nah. So after this, we see her in the studio, and I don't know if they were trying to show like her voice was starting to decline or whatever. She's like recording her last album, um, and then we get another montage of stuff. At this point, my notes kind of take a turn, <laughs> and you'll know, just you'll, like, know, you'll know start looking like that horse drawing. <laughs> yes, the one where it started off detailed. It's all detailing, and it just in a blur. I'm like, like this movie's so figure. long, and I've been through so much trauma with Billy. And I just by this point, I was like, okay, well, I know the end is coming soon. So, well, I say after. Um, oh, you got some more. Uh, uh-uh, go ahead. 
I'm about to say you found some more horse horse notes. <laughs> I mean, this, then the rest of it is just her and Jimmy in the hotel, and then they in the hospital, and you know what? Happened. Well, I was gonna say the scene where she's this is another good scene um, that kind of shows off um, Andrew's acting uh, skill is that when they're in their room and she's just looking bad as hell, yo. Like she's just looking terrible, <laughs> um, and she yeah. tells him that her liver is failing and she's singing and smoking. And, um, I, again, I was just in, I was in awe at how she captured this, this character personally. So, um, well-deserving of the golden gold, hopefully the Oscar, but. <clears throat> so, um, so that is what happens in the hotel. Then they take, they take her to the hospital because, um, this condition is called what is it called? Cirrhosis, psoriasis. Cirrhosis of the liver. She has cirrhosis Cirrhosis. of the liver. I'm sure she has some um, other stuff, but that's what they stress in this. She did because when I looked it up, that is her. She died from other things, right? Um, but I I wonder, like, if she just stopped smoking. Like, I mean, because she was coughing up blood while smoking and in the hospital still smoking. But at the same time, Billie Holiday was a smoker. Know. Well, I mean, I'm saying I don't care if it's 1910. If I'm coughing up blood, I'm going to quit smoking. <laughs> but, like, but like, like if she, if she just stopped smoking, smoking, she would have bought herself like maybe a week. <laughs> Who wants I mean, a week well, in this so life? You might as well keep doing it. I thought she was gonna say like a year. <laughs> she would have bought herself one more hour. <laughs> one more hour. You might as well keep going. Uh, so um, yeah, so she ends up because apparently she had liver disease and heart disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, Jimmy was there and. The feds were coming to frame her again and plant narcotics on her while she was dying. Mm-hmm. So apparently, Sam comes in and is like, Bill, Jimmy, you got to go because the feds are coming. And so uh, they exit the, the hospital and we see outside all these people with they let Billy live signs. Like, and I don't know why they protest in the hospital. But maybe they protesting the feds, Sammy. I don't know. I don't think they were. Um, I, I didn't think they were protesting. I thought that was kind of like the paparazzi of that day. Everybody was outside because they knew Billy was out there. But it was a, this man in the background clearly had the sign. It was like "Let Billy live," and I was like, "What?" Well, oh, okay. Oh, it could have been because they knew she was kind of under arrest too, while also in the hospital, while all these people were also gathering. Because again, kind of a paparazzi situation. So it was just a crowd. So, of people. There's a crowd of people and rising on the bench crying because they like they won't even let me come and see her and you know you know she's going through withdrawal they're taking off her methadone and Jimmy is consoling her and then that's when you know Evan uh, Sam says he's coming they're gonna plant drugs on her and then we see uh, kind of it looked like a decomposed body kind of like with the wait, wait, wait! You leaving uh, out the best part when Anslinger comes in there, all the feds come in the room and they're like, you know, tell oh, us I something. did leave out that part. Yeah, yeah, because uh, Lewis is, comes back too. Lewis comes back talking about, you know, now I'm sign these papers and do all this right. to try to convince but her this, this is, to turn herself over. But this is what the movie doesn't explain. What is she confessing? I don't what, know. what do they want her to tell them? Like if the movie is about getting her to shut up or, or getting her to shut up and not seeing strange fruit, 
then all they they are kind of they've kind of been successful at that. All they got to do is like playing drugs on a lock her ass up. But if the movie is about getting her to confess, confess something. But they wanted to know who her drug dealer was. They wanted to know who it was, but she. That was, but that was just like so irrelevant. <laughs> like because the point of the movie, I thought, was about strange fruit and getting her to not sing this radical song. But they never say what what who are your suppliers. I'm like Candyman. Like that ain't no big time. You know what I'm saying? Like what is that? That means nothing. But they were asking. That was part of it. They wanted her to tell. They wanted her to tell them who her dealers were but I think they were trying to tell these two stories at the same time which is to me why the movie is not that great but I think they were trying to tell there's a war on drugs movie and tying it into um, this Jim Crow era of racism like they were trying to tell both of those stories mm-hmm. and I don't know if they did a great job of telling either one of them when I thought the point of the movie was to just get her to quit singing this song and to just lock her up. They were kind of winning that war by continually <laughs> planting drugs on her. Like, y'all were winning that already. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, she's sitting on her deathbed. You're clearly winning right now. Right. And, and McKay was like, you know, tell them what they want to know so that you can get off. And I'm just like, get off of what? Like, <laughs> what is she telling them to get off of? I don't understand that. But Oh, I was saying that was the best part because I did like her just like cussing him out. And I thought that was so uh, Billie Holiday like when she was just like, you know, suck my, suck my black ass. No, she oh, said yeah. suck my black ass and <laughs> coughing and crying and laughing and all of that simultaneously while smoking a cigarette. And I'm just like, Andrew Day, girl, you did that. I'm kind of scared for you. <laughs> like y'all said, yes. don't turn into a heat ledge. I'm kind of scared. Yeah, uh, you need to put her on watch. Yeah, you need to rest a little bit and let Billy get out your system because that was a little too real. But uh, again, great acting job. So yeah, so thank you for going through that scene. That was a very good scene. But again, like I told y'all, by the time we got to this point, I was like, <laughs> I don't know. She in the hospital, y'all. She dying. Um. So then we get, you know, we go back to the title cards and then we get footage of like it looks like real footage from her funeral and um we get a picture of her we get a real picture of um jimmy and that pretty much is how the the movie ends with saying how she died i looked it up on wikipedia it said again maybe i need to stop but she died with 70 cents in her bank account wow I can believe it. I can believe After it. After all that, probably, you know, all these people stealing her money and however and she's seventy yeah. cents. Man, yeah, like drugs, that's a motherfucker, man. Like oh yeah. Heroin really took away like a lot of jazz greats before they time. Like Coltrane, Billy Holiday, Nat King Cole, Charlie Parker, like drugs really hurt jazz music back then. I, I didn't know Nat King Cole died of lung cancer. Yeah, that's what I thought. He had a drug problem. He had a drug problem. <laughs> I know Natalie I mean, Cole he, definitely I mean, had a drug problem. Who? Her, his daughter. His daughter. <laughs> nah, but he he was like what? He was in his early forties. I I I don't remember. I don't remember. Um, 
I yeah, do know I one of the uh, one of the last um, scenes or the cards that they had talked about how um, the anti-lynching bill still hasn't passed. It came up again, you know, at the end of 2020, and I think it was Rand Paul who held held it up then. So it still hasn't passed, and it's 2021. So there you yeah. go. Um, so to bring that storyline uh, back full circle. We still don't have, and this um, lynching was a name. It's the T- Emmett Till uh, anti-lynching yeah. act that mm-hmm. was not passed or has not yet been passed. Yeah. Um, so that's the end. Maybe we should have done. I care a lot first. Uh, then we could laugh. <laughs> There's nothing funny about this situation. Yeah. This sounded really, this sounded like a very good movie, but a very terrible experience. I mean, it was a terrible um, experience because the movie was terrible. <laughs> Look, the movie was like, it was Lee Daniels. Like, I told you, I was like, oh, I didn't know this was Lee Daniels so much. Like the first at least the first half of the movie was just all over the place to me. I was like, yeah. what? Like, who, why, what? What's happening? Why are we giving these montages in black and white? And what's this? And who are these people? And what? To me, the last 40 minutes, 30 to 40 minutes was more cohesive. Mm-hmm. It still had some weird moments, but it wasn't as many what moments as the first, like, I went 15 minutes. But her performance helps lift the whole movie, put it like that. So when people's like, oh, it's a good movie, they really talking about her performance and her Travante performance. Because other than that, it's it's kind of just like all over the place. So uh, another one of my friends told me that Lee Daniels said this was the first thing he's ever directed sober. Like he's always been high. What was he on? Like, was he on uh, Wee? Was it Wee? Was know. it Coke? I don't know. I hadn't heard I don't that. Know. I didn't heard that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I was like, good gracious. I'm happy that, you know, I want everybody to be sober, but I, did, I didn't know what he was taking. I mean, it definitely had an empire-ish know. feel to... I don't watch anything from, from Lee Daniels. I don't, I'm like, I'm, this is very new. Like, he's, I, I don't watch any of his... I mean, I watched show. Precious. I watched Precious purposely. But that was my first, I mean, wasn't that like his first major film or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. His first I, critical play. I yeah. guess I've watched, I've watched Precious and I was like, why did I do this to myself? I, I watched The Butler, because he did The Butler, right? He did The uh-huh. Butler. The Butler, the butler was all right. The Butler okay, was and it, looked, it looked very, it looked very oppressed. The Butler, I, I, I did I don't like it. I don't even like the Butler. The Butler wasn't depressing though. Okay. As far no, as Lee, da- Lee Daniels films goes, The Butler was goddamn a, a Tom Hanks big movie, <laughs> like oh, compared to anything else he's done. Yeah, I think I, I watch his TV shows. So and I watched Empire until it just got to be. I think I watched one season of Empire, and then after that, I was like, "All right." I tried to watch Star, and I was like, "I might have to." cut my ears off. So I was like, okay, I'm good. Bye. No more of this with him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good luck. But yeah, um, yeah, it's basically Andrew Day like uh, holding up the movie. <laughs> basically, that's, and she deserved the Golden Globe, so. Damn, you want to even get Trevante credit? He'll I mean. He'll deserve that. I understand he'll deserve that. I mean, but he wasn't the major person. He was just like. like and, and, you know, 
And my thing is that I'm tired of them giving awards to people who for biopics. Like we don't know anything about uh, Jimmy Fletcher. This is even a real person. Like we don't know. But I feel like Javante did a really good job. He did. I like, mean, they Jimmy- probably would never nominate him because. Well, yes, he was a real person, yeah. but they wouldn't nominate him because they're not familiar with him to be like, oh, this was such a great performance. But people are familiar with Billie Holiday. So it's like, oh, well, now we can relate to why we think she did such a great job because we're familiar with her. All right. So, uh, but, you know, I mean... I- I, I've been telling people it's worth watching to see her performance, but I'm just like, I don't think it's a good move. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's I could have gone without seeing this movie or her performance. I could have watched a clip on YouTube. Yeah, it would have been all right. But uh Well guys, we're gonna wrap up this the United States versus Billy. We're done with that. I hope I did a male justice. This shit is hard. Um and especially when you get to the end and it's not good, you're like, I just want to quit. I quit. <laughs> Can't quit. You gotta keep going. Um, so <laughs> uh, hopefully it will justice. Uh, our next thing we're going to review will be Coming to America, part two, the sequel. Hopefully we get a couple of good chuckles. Make sure you're following Four Layer Takes on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Engage with us. If you're listening on Apple, like review make sure that you have subscribed to us and side note Mimi's Twitter since we're watching Coming to America what's it, what's the handle for McDowell's um <laughs> at, McDow- at McDowell's underscore NYC <laughs> follow that if you want some good chuckles as we lead up to our Coming to America review That's it, guys. Bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) We was like, bye. See you. Bye, y'all. Leave us alone. (laughs)